Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Shar Habi Talkman, the Gate of Trust, Chapter 3. This is our third class in Chapter 3. And with Hashem's help, I've put a big agenda for tonight. I'd love to finish the five principles um, that one needs to have in order to be able to trust in, in Hashem. Um, but I think we could do it. I believe we could do it together. Uh, I, I, tonight, I believe we're going to learn some ideas that are extremely meaningful and relevant. Um, we're going to begin to talk about the ideas of trusting in Hashem, but still needing to do something about it. Um, you know, and the fact that we can't just trust in Hashem. I'll give you an example. An example. This morning I was learning why can't someone drink poison? Why? Why can't you drink poison? If Hashem, if you're supposed to live, the poison will not work. And if you're supposed to die, so then the poison was going to kill you. You would have died another way. Um, you know, I, I hear people say, they're like, oh, I'll do this. And if anything happens to me, it must have been my time. You know, one of the things we're going to learn is that is completely wrong. Completely wrong. Because we need to do, we need to do the right thing. We need to act smart and safe. Uh, but how does that go with Bitochein? That's going to be in chapter four. But tonight, we are, God willing, going to finish the first five principles. And to review, principle number one, you can see it on the screen, is Hashem possesses all the seven qualities that the provider needs to have. Hashem is loving, and He knows what's best for us, etc. We, we learn principle number two, that Hashem knows what we're thinking. So if Hashem knows what we're thinking, we better think that we trust in Hashem also, and not just speak about trusting in Hashem. Because if you speak the whole day and you say, I trust in Hashem, and you tell all your friends, I believe in Hashem, but you don't really believe in Hashem, Hashem knows. So if you go around saying, I believe in Mother Russia, the, the communists will believe you because that's what they hear you talking. But Hashem won't believe you because he knows what's inside of your heart. So it's not enough to fool other people. Principle number two was, Hashem knows what's in your innermost thoughts. And if you're saying you believe in him, you also need to truly think it and mean it. And now we're going to learn about how we can't trust in Hashem and your in-laws or whoever else is supporting you. Um, we, we have to rely only on Hashem because Remember, we gave the example of a faucet. We said, Hashem on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, he has a plan. He says, Yeshua is going to, God willing, get incredible help for him and his family, millions of dollars, happiness from his children. Everything is in the pipeline. But remember, you could have water come to your pipe. But if you're thinking, if the handle's broken, nothing's coming out. 
So we said, handle. Even though on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we were blessed with many things, we need, still need to let's open the faucet. So principle number three says, we have to trust exclusively on Hashem, because if we trust on Hashem and something else, then the faucet's only half full or half open. Let's see that inside. Here we go. Um, in the handout, here on page. Here you go. Page number nine. The Hakta Mahashlis is. And the third introduction for a person to, to really trust in Hashem, is that he singles out God as the only one in whom he relies upon for those things regarding which he's obligated to rely on. And do not partner any other being with him, relying both on Hashem as well as on another being. For if he does so, his trust in God will be ruined when he partners another being with him. So if you say, I trust that Hashem is going to take care of me, but I also trust that, you know, my stocks are going to go up, you're mixing th two things together. You have to only trust in Hashem. Hashem may say the method to make you rich, Baruch, is through your stocks going haywire, going incredible. But it's going to be Hashem. And now we learn a story that happened with Asa. Asa was the king over Malchus Yehuda. If you're familiar, um, briefly after King David Amalek passed away, his son, King Shlomo, was king. And after the passing of King Shlomo, tough question. Anyone know what King Shlomo's son, the following king's name was? So, uh, so, something with an A? Rechavam. Rechavam. He was a king of the Jewish people when he, he increased taxes. The Jews were upset and they broke away. And so now there's two Jewish kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Yehuda and the kingdom of the of Yisrael. Asa is the king of Yehuda, and he was a very righteous king, and he got sick. And what did he do? He went to a doctor. And because he went to a doctor, he remained crippled the rest of his life. He didn't trust in Hashem. So let's first see it inside, and then we'll clarify what happened here. Because as you know, we, we go to doctors and we encourage people to go to doctors. Let's see it inside. We also know regarding us, the king of Yehuda, who despite his great piety at the time when he was ill, relied upon the doctors. As it is written, and also when he was ill, he did not seek the Lord, only the doctors. And he was punished for this. And another verse says, and we say this in, in, 
Birchat HaMazon, Baruch HaGever Asher Yitzchak Ba'ashem. Blessed is the man who relies on the Lord, and the Lord will be his support. So if we want Hashem to support us, we have to trust him. What happened with Asa? What was wrong with going to doctor? So number one is we need to know that he was a very big tzaddik. He had the highest level of bitachim. In other words, that his slip to go to a doctor was relative for him, considered a big slip. But more importantly, what was the mistake that he made? And the mistake is written clearly in the Pasuk. Even when he was ill, he didn't seek the Lord, only the doctor. We do need to know, when we go to a doctor, it's important that we know we're not going to a doctor because a doctor is Hashem. The Rebbe often told people that had told him about a, a, a bad prognosis doctors had said. He said, the doctors are not God. Doctors are doctors. So when we go to a doctor, we need to know we're going to be cured by Hashem through the doctor. And that's what the verse is saying. Also, when he, he went, he didn't, he went to the doctors. He didn't remember that Hashem was involved in this. So, what we're learning from this story is don't mix in Hashem and the doctor. Don't say, I'm going to go to a doctor and also if Hashem wants, he could also cure me miraculously. No, there's only one cure. The cure is Hashem. What's the problem? The problem is you don't, you're not really trusting in anybody. Have you heard the expression Kedera the Beishutzi? There's an expression a pot being cooked by two people. And it comes out to, to be a big mess. Does not taste good because both people put in salt and none of them put in the black pepper and it is not a good tasting food. So trusting in two people is not really trusting in any. It is well. It is a well-known matter. Remember, this was written a thousand years ago. We don't need modern psychology. It's a well-known matter that when somebody appoints two or more people to perform a specific task, the appointment will fail. So Shmuel or, or Basha, I'd like both one of you to close the light when you leave. So, so now nobody's responsible to close the light. It's at the end of the class. So if we're going to rely on Hashem and a doctor, you're not, you're not trusting in anybody. All the more so does this apply to one who relies on the Almighty as well as on others. So now your reliance on Hashem is, is demolished. Interesting, the word they translate in English is true, demolished. It's destroyed. You've destroyed your trust in Hashem by trusting in somebody else. And remember that example of the faucet. If you're not trusting in Hashem, the faucet's closed. You've closed the blessing from coming down the faucet. This will be the main reason why the matter about which we're relying on Hashem is going to be helpful, withheld from us. Like the verse says, 
Cursed is the man who relies on man. And places flesh as his support and removes his heart away from the Lord. So the third, the third principle for us to really have Yitachin is to only trust in Hashem. Because the moment we mix a second person in, we've, we're not really trusting in Hashem. Okay. What's the fourth principle? The fourth principle is a little, is a little deeper now. If I trust that Mark Berkovich is going to take care of me, then I'm going to listen to what he says. You know, you, you ever heard of it? You know a little bit about a fundraising business. If you want to get, if you want to get someone to donate to you, if you want to get someone to be your provider, you're going to try and be nice to them. And if the provider comes and says that I need you to be at my house Friday at 5 p.m course it's not Shabbos you're going to be there and if the provider says over Shabbos you are not allowed to drive your car but I'm going to give you everything you need I'll give you a million dollars you're not going to drive the car so the fourth principle is to say that if you really are saying you trust in Hashem then you got to listen to what he's telling you because saying I trust in Hashem but I'm but I still don't need to do what he says it doesn't it doesn't fit together you don't trust in Hashem. What do you, you, right? You know the story. I've told him many times. A guy is eating fish. He says, I love fish. And the person next to him says, you don't like fish. You hate fish. You kill them. So when you say you trust in Hashem, if you trust in Hashem, you got to do what Hashem is telling you to do. Let's do what is right. as a title of Hakam or if it's a fourth introduction. The person should pay strong attention and make great efforts to uphold that which Hashem has obligated him as part of his service to him. The last to do the positive commandment and to refrain from the negative commandment. For then the Creator will agree to give him those things which he is relying on him for. So if you want Hashem to give you, listen to what he's telling you. We gotta, we gotta listen to the instructions we got, we're getting. Like our rabbi, the blessed memory, I said in Pirkei Avos, the ethics of our fathers. Make his will, make Hashem's will your will. Do what Hashem tells you to do so that he may make your will as his will, so that Hashem will do what you want him to do for you. Nullify your will before his will so that he may nullify the will of others before your will. You want that Hashem should make sure that what you want to happen is going to happen. Nothing negative should come. 
So then listen to what he's telling. And the verse says, Trust in Hashem. And what should you do? Do good. Do the mitzvot. Dwell in the land and be nourished by faith. And likewise, we have a verse that's from Eicha that says, Amar toiv Hashem the nefesh to the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. So, if we want Hashem to take care of us, we need to listen to what he's telling us to do. Avo, However, someone who relies on the Creator for his needs but rebels against him, neglecting the observance of the mitzvah, how foolish is he? And how weak is his knowledge and understanding? You, we know by a human that if, if a human says, I'll take care of you, but gives you some instructions, you're, you're going to listen to him. For a person knows, that if somebody is appointed by another person to do a specific job, whether he instructs him to busy himself with one of his needs, or whether he instructs him to refrain from a certain matter, and he then goes and disobeys those instructions. When the one who appointed him finds out that he disobeyed his instructions, there will be strong ground for him to refrain from doing to him that which the other person had relied upon him to do. So if, if I'm relying on you to do something and you give me instructions and I don't fulfill them, that's the strongest ground to, for you to say, okay, I'm done. Kosher came, if this is with a human. All the more so would it apply to somebody who disobeys the almighty statutes and mitzvahs which he himself designated for us to observe and warned us about. That the hopes of the one who relies on him will be dashed when he rebels against him. And he will not be fitting to be classified as one who relies on the Almighty. So seemingly, Rabbeinu Bahai is saying, if you want to say you trust in Hashem and Hashem's going to take, and I trust in Hashem that Hashem will take care of me, so do what He tells you to do. But if you don't do it, if you go ahead and say, I trust in Hashem, but I'm not going to do my part, then you're like, then that person is, is like what the verse tells us. So what is the hope of a flatterer who rots when God casts off his soul? Will God hearken to his pride? And it says in Yermio, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely? And then after you go ahead and you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, you're going to come and stand before me in this house. 
upon which my name is called. Has this house upon which my name is called become a cave of degenerate men? So the fourth principle is telling you that if you want Hashem to do his part, you have to listen to him. Now seemingly, if you read the words without fully looking deeply into them, it sounds like it's saying, that someone who does not follow the Torah and mitzvot, Hashem will not take care of them. That's what a seem, a, an over, a glance of it seemingly will tell you. However, the Rebbe spoke about this at great length, and the Rebbe shared that the meaning is not someone who sins can't trust in Hashem and therefore he's going to get punished. No, no, no. It's a very technical meaning. If someone is sinning, then their betalkling is not complete. And if your betalkling is not complete, then the faucet is not fully open. We're not saying here that if you sin, you're not going to get, you're going to get punished. Not at all. We are saying that if someone is not following the Torah and Mitzvah, they're keeping the faucet of blessing closed. Let's not do that. Let's open the faucet. Let's have the faucet flow as much as possible. Okay. So the fourth principle, again, the one liner we have in the handout is that we need to combine faith with divine, divine service. In other words, it's not enough for us just to have faith, but we also have to do what Hashem is telling us. Now, the fifth principle, and the fifth principle is something that we, this is, this is what we learned so much about. The fifth principle is that it's not enough to say, I trust in Hashem. There needs to be human effort. Mark Berkovich, I believe tonight we're going to finally start addressing what, what, what's probably been triggering your mind. We're going to start talking about the need for human effort together with trust. And that's the fifth principle. The fifth introduction. That it should be made clear that the completion of all matters which come to be in this world after its creation come in one of two ways. And, and, and the reason we're saying after creation is because before creation, everything came in one way. Yes, may ayin. Ex nihilo. Now I'm just using words that I've been told, but I still don't fully understand what ex nihilo means, but something from nothing, which I think that's what ex nihilo means. So the world was created something from nothing. But once it's created, there's two ways things continue in this world. One of the matters is one of the matters, the matters in which they come to be is solely due to the decrees of the Creator, may He be exalted, 
and due to his desire that these things should immediately come into existence. So one of them is, okay, I want there to be a cup and poof, out of nothing, there's a cup. That's one way things come about in this world. In other words, a miracle. The Hasheni, the second manner in which they come to be is through various means and intermediaries. Before we go ahead, and Baruch, I don't want you to miss this, because I think this is a focal point here. Hashem, what Prevet is saying, is that Hashem has set the world up right now, that things happen through a cause and effect system. Hashem has set up the world with a system. And he wants things to happen through that system. That means Hashem wants you to go to work to get money. Yes, Hashem could make money. You could stick it. You know, there's a story of the Arizal. He took his students to a valley and, and miraculously money appeared. Hashem can do that, but that's not the system which Hashem has put in place. Hashem himself has put in a place of means and intermediaries. Mayhem to rise, mayhem Some of these intermediaries are immediate to the matter which comes to be, while some of them are remote. So for example, one intermediary could be, you open the faucet and water comes out. So it took you one step. Yes, there's a lot of steps for the water to get there, but it took you one step. Sometimes you could have an incredible chain of stories that led you to, to, to what's actually happening. Some of these intermediaries are revealed and some are hidden. Sometimes we don't even know what Hashem has done for us. You know, there was a story when the Jewish people were in the desert. There was a nation that came to destroy the Jewish people. And Hashem himself took care of that nation. But the Jewish people didn't even know about the miracle. So actually Hashem made another miracle that the Jewish people should see what had happened, what Hashem had done to the nation which came to attack. Because sometimes we don't even know what's happening is so concealed. But all of them hasten to complete that which he, Hashem, has decreed should be done and how these things should appear while the Almighty helps them do it. So, Hashem has put in place a cause an effect system. And this is something that we're going to talk so much about. Yes, you need to go to a doctor because that's the cause and effect system Hashem has put in place. Yes, you need to go to work because that's the cause. Sorry, you need to go to the doctor because that's the cause and effect system Hashem has put in place for healing. You need to go to work because that's the cause and effect system Hashem has put in place for making money. You need to go to a store because that's the cause and effect system Hashem has put for you to get the stuff or you need to go on your phone and quickly press one click of a button and everything will be delivered to you. Yes, but each, we need to follow the path that Hashem has set up in the world. But we've spoken about how there is 
immediate causes and distant causes. And now we're gonna give an example. With your permission, I'd love to show you a video. Before I, before I show you the video, anyone here ever heard of a Persian wheel? No, no, and no one ever heard of the Persian wheel? So when I show you the video, you'll probably know it. Let's watch this brief video um, of what a Persian wheel is. I just started delivering for DoorDash oh, and I absolutely sorry, not this video. I was looking for extra ways to make some cash and Do they deliver kosher food? What do you say here? Um So the Persian wheel is well, I'll just I'll let it play for a moment so you'll see. doesn't it yeah yes yes I'm, I'm gonna play the video for just another minute and you'll see you'll see what's happening okay I mean and I'll be happy to share the link um, but this was a, a traditional method of irrigating your, you know, your field. Um, I guess in Persia at some point, called the Persian wheel. But this is the example that Chavit Halavavis is going to give from a thousand years ago. You know, people were very smart, I must say, much smarter than us. But so here on, on the screen, you could see um, what was happening. So you have what we need to get water out of the, I don't know if it's a river, I'm not sure exactly what it is, a well. And you need to get the water into the trough, which is then gonna flow into your field. So you have the Bucket water. Chain. Say it again. Bucket chain. Yes, but I wanna, how do I, um, oh here, I just want you to see my mouse. Do you see my mouse now? Yeah, okay. So you have the water here. We need a bucket to now pick up. So you have this little wheel and the wheel, when it turns, it picks up the water and it, the water automatically pours out. Now, how do you turn that wheel? Well, you have this pole here that's connected to a wheel here that's connected to another wheel that is connected to this pole that's connected to the animal. And when the animals turn, right, everything, everything turns. Okay, we're, we're, we got it. Now, so what we're gonna discuss here is, in this example, the immediate effect, the final act to make this happen, yeah, is the, uh, is the water being pulled up from the jug. But what's the furthest act involved in this? By the way, it's a tough question. Can anyone tell me what's the furthest act in, involved in making this happen? Well, feeding the animals. Planting the food to feed the animals. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Okay. In our conversation, we're going to say, 
tying the animals to the pole. Correct. Um, so now tying the animals is like numbers, number, you know, 13, technically, if we would go through the whole list. Um, so this is going to be the example Abin Baha'i is going to give of an immediate and uh, distanced um, effect. Let me, let's switch pages. Go back here. Okay. An example of one of the immediate causes would be an immediate cause would be the drawing of water from the depths of the earth by means of a pulley system and a jug which is tied to which which draws the water out of the well. Okay, so the jugs which draw it out are the immediate cause. The remote cause would be the person who ties the animal to the rope, which is attached to the vessel, and his moving of the animal, which pulls the rope, to draw the water from deep down in the well to the ground surface. It's interesting. It appears that in the message that Rabbein Vachai is talking, a man is, is literally leading the animals. The video we watched, uh, the animals were kind of set up. They couldn't go anywhere. But here it looks like someone was leading. Now, we have the immediate cause and the remote cause. But we also have the causes in between. Then there are those causes which are in between the person and the vessels, which are being used to draw out the water. Which are intermediary causes between the two matters. They are the animal, the wheels which move one another, and the rope. If one of these above mentioned causes would get ruined, then the intended goal of drawing the water would not come to be. So, what are we learning from this example? That there are so many steps involved in pulling out the water and if, from the well, and if any of them would be broken, the whole story wouldn't happen. Likewise, when it comes to other actions that come to be, they do not come to be as a result of people's actions or through any other entity. Rather, they all exist due to the decree of God and his preparation of the means through which the action will be completed. So before we explain, we're going to bring some proofs. We're going to prove to you that everything that happens in the world has its cause and effect system, and all of the causes to make an individual act happen are from Hashem. As it says in Shmuel Aleph, to him, all the causes have been counted. So in other words, for one thing to happen, a lot of causes were put into place. There's a lot of wheels turning for, you know, more Basha to be here right now. Hashem, another verse says, Hashem is, who is great in counsel and master in carrying it out. So Virav Alilia can also mean Hashem is great master of, of Alila, of like causes, of making one thing turn to another. Remember we saw the uh, Rube Goldberg machine, this massive chain of events 
Ve'amar ki hoysa siva mi Hashem, for it was, another verse says, for it was something brought about by the Lord. Previously, we, were, we mentioned King As, Asa, who got sick. But we spoke then briefly how King David was king over all the Jewish people. Similarly, Shoal, uh, his son, Shlomo HaMelech, was also king over all the Jewish people. Um, but King Shlomo, he did some things that Hashem was not pleased with. And Hashem said that, you're, that the next person who's going to leave, he's going to create this divide amongst the Jews. Now, the reason for the divide I mentioned was that King Shlomo wanted to charge a lot of taxes and the, the Jewish people didn't want to pay taxes. However, in, in Tanakh, when we learn the story in the Bible, it says clearly that the idea that Rehavim had to charge a lot of taxes didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. He should not have done it if he had had his logical mind on. However, the reason it happened is because, and that's this verse right here from Malachim Aleph, it was something brought about by Hashem. Hashem made it happen. Yes, it didn't make sense that he should want to charge all these taxes. But it was something brought about by the Lord because Hashem had said that the nation is going to be split. And so this was a cause to make it happen. But all the causes, they're all chains of events planned by Hashem. So there is this massive operation of one wheel turning another wheel and all of them with a master plan. If the means would be lacking, then nothing would come to be as a result of the natural activity. So just like in the example of the wheel, of the Persian wheel, if one of the, if one of the wheels or one of the items, the rope is broken, a pole is broken, the water's not gonna come out. If one step of this process would be broken, then Hashem's plan wouldn't happen. So every step, is part of Hashem's plan. Any questions? No? Okay, so let's learn one more detail then. And we'll conclude with this detail. Who said that we need to be a part of this plan? How do we know Hashem is not just going to grow a money tree in front of the Malov's house? By the way, Dr. Malov, if the money tree grows, at least call me first. I'd like to just grab a few bills. But how do we know that we need to go through this, um, what we call human intervention, hishtavos? Maybe Jews are different. We're better. We don't, like, I don't know. You know, maybe, who, who said well, well, what we're going to learn is, just look, it's obvious. Because the proof is that if you want to eat, you got to take your fork and put it into the food. No one, well, someone could put it in your mouth, but Hashem is not putting it in your mouth. And if you don't have food, 
you got to go, you got to work and make money. And if with that money to go, so, so the natural course of the world is, has shown us that we need to go about and be involved in this cause and effect system that Hashem has using human intervention. By the way, of course, that comment I made before that maybe we're better, I, I was just being, being silly. I was saying it in a negative fashion. In other words, maybe someone will say, oh, we don't need it. Of course we do. We need this human intervention. Proof that human intervention is often needed. When one will contemplate the needs of a person, how he is required to engage in various means and to exert himself in order to obtain his needs, then he, we will clearly observe this to be the case that without the various means, the matter will not come into actuality. Because now we're going to go through the steps needed to eat. So when somebody needs food, even if the food is placed in front of him, already fit for him to eat, if he doesn't exert himself to eat it by lifting it up to his mouth and chewing it, it will not satiate his hunger. So even if someone puts it in your mouth, it's not enough. You have to, you have to, you have to at least do your little part of chewing. Likewise, somebody who is thirsty, who is in need of water, also you need to lift up the water to his mouth to drink. The now it's even worse. Now, if you're living back a thousand years ago and you can't go to Fred Meyer to pick up wheat, all the more so effort is necessary if the food is not ready for him to eat and he's required to exert himself to grind the wheat and knead the dough and bake the dough and the like. <laughs> and even more so, even if you have Fred Meyer. More exertion will be necessary and it's going to be even more difficult if you need to buy it as well as prepare it. Even more exertion than this will be necessary if he doesn't have the money with which to buy the food. In which case, if he doesn't have the money with which to buy the food, in which case he will need a far greater exertion and involvement in, in various means than that which has been mentioned earlier, but then he's going to be required either to hire himself out for work or to sell some of his objects and possessions or the like. So just look around you. The fact that you need to make your food, the fact that you need to put it in your mouth and chew it, we see that Hashem has, is, is, is telling us we need to have a human intervention and we need to do our part. Let's just quickly review what we've learned tonight. So we've completed the five principles of faith, which are that Hashem has all the seven qualities that the provider needs. Hashem knows what, what we're thinking and therefore we need to really believe in him, not just say we do. We need to trust exclusively in Hashem and not in Hashem and something else, that's going to close the faucet, God forbid. We have to serve Hashem and do what He says. Because again, saying we believe in Hashem but not doing what He says, again, is God forbid closing that faucet of blessing. And finally, principle number five is that we need Hishtadlut, the human effort. And to, 
And like I said, we're going to spend the rest of this chapter, which is a very big chapter, chapter three is a very big chapter, uh, talking about the idea of human effort. But um, we start off by, we went, gave the example of cause and effect. We, we saw that brief video of the Persian wheel and how there's an immediate cause, which is the jugs. You have the remote cause, which is the person who tied the animals to the wheel. And you have the intermediary causes. All of these wheels are, are in effect. And we need to be spinning all of these wheels. Um, Hashem would like us to have all the wheels spun in order for the world to um, properly operate. How do we know that we need to do, we need to, um, do our human efforts? And Chayvis Halavavis just shared, just, we see this from the simple act of eating. Even if the food is prepared, you have to put it in your mouth and chew. If it's not prepared, oh boy, you're going to be grinding that flour. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to knead the dough and bake, bake. And if you don't have the materials, you're going to have to go to the store. And if you don't have money for the store, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to go work or sell something. So we see the need for the human intervention. Perhaps one of the most... Um, Phenomenal, phenomenal things you'll take away will be when we learn next week why did Hashem set up the world in this way? A very, very powerful. Actually, it's not going to be next week. It won't even be the following week because the next two weeks um, are going to be... Sorry, it will be in two weeks. Next week is Pesach. We'll continue in two weeks. Um, and in two weeks, we're going to learn why Hashem put this cause and effect system and made a requirement that we do our part. Um, and it was so applicable, this idea, I'm still not going to tell you, but just to tell you why I think it's so applicable, I had a parent call me up with a challenge um, that he's going through. And we were able to talk about this idea from Chavis Halavavis and, and apply it um, to the to parenting. Very practical message. So, yes, Pesach is coming. And we have two options. Option one is to say, if Hashem wants my house to be clean, it's going to be clean. And I'm going to sit back, kick up my feet and read, which I do encourage you all to relax. But also know the answer is Hashem says we have to take the vacuum out. We have to take the feather and the, and the uh, candle. Candle, candle and clean. Or flashlight. Or flashlight. But... To conclude with this idea of talking about cleaning, it's a bigger mitzvah to be happy on Pesach than to clean your house. So the, ha the cleaning shouldn't come at the expense of happiness. Um, and if it does, give me a call. I'll, I'll get, we, we could talk through. Are you saying I shouldn't clean my house then so I can be happy? <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I said. I, but I did say or, or to be more perfect angle on things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, I want you to know I, I'm uh, 